There's no problem too big or small, no issue too hot or cold, and no subject these gentlemen won't talk about. Let's head into the lab to see what they're working to figure out today. Let's get into it and get down to it. Welcome to Figure It Out. This is George Grombacher. Joining me, as always, is Centauri Miner. Hello, folks. Helping us move from awareness to action this week is Jason Barlow, the president and CEO of Habitat for Humanity of Central Arizona. Welcome, Jason. Thank you, George Centauri. It's great to be here. Excited to uh, to, to dig into the important work that Habitat is doing. Centauri, have you ever done a Habitat build? I was just thinking that is one of the things in my volunteer service I have not done. But after this conversation, I am sure that I will be persuaded <laughs> to do one. Well, maybe, but it might be up to Jason. He's going to need to know a little bit more about your technical expertise and your ability to to, to swing a hammer. Actually, actually, you don't need to do much of that. We we train everybody. You could show up and never, not even know which end of the hammer is the correct end, and we'll train you. Okay. Which is about the level you're working with. Well, I think that that's that's maybe a great jumping off point right there. Um, how, how often do 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 people make that mistake in thinking that well, geez, I can't do a habitat build because I'm not an expert builder? I think you know, I think that might be a fairly common uh, uh, perception, and it's a mis it's a misperception uh, as well because uh, we take people from all walks of life to on habitat projects. In fact, once you complete our orientation. You can show up on any habitat project uh, at any time we're underway, and the leaders and the staff there will teach you everything you know to be safe and to contribute to either a home or a repair. We also have volunteer opportunities in our offices and in our retail operations, so there's plenty to do. Nice. Okay. See, I didn't realize that. So tell me a little bit about the orientation, and then how many projects do you have going on at, at one time? Well, the orientation is really no more than about 30 minutes, and it's uh, you can take it online at habitatcaz.org. And uh, once you've completed that, you'll just get a weekly email, if that's what you choose, to, to tell you where projects are going on. Right now, in the summer here in Phoenix, we have precious little going on. We have some deconstruction <laughs> projects because it's already 100 degrees by 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. We don't like to have our volunteers up on roofs and outdoors and stuff on when it's real hot. But uh, at the height of our build season, which is generally over the winter, uh, it's not uncommon to have 30 projects in eight different cities going on. Wow. So spread across the entire valley of Phoenix Metro. Nice. Jason, I'm sure people, um, much like me, have heard of the Habitat for Humanity brand and name. But kind of give what is the, you know, the, the, the scope of work that you guys do. I think it's pretty straightforward, but I know that there's a lot more that you do. And then how do people find you and connect with you and which generally what's your purpose and how do you um, how do you have an outcome for that purpose? Well, that's a great question. I think uh, the basis of it is uh, our vision for the world is a a world where everyone has a decent place to live. That's Habitat's vision. Our mission is we bring God's people together to build homes, communities, and hope. Most people, if they know anything about Habitat for Humanity, know that we're often associated with a single family uh, uh, moving into a single home, but now we're into entire neighborhood revitalization, like around Grand Canyon University and several other neighborhoods in the Valley. We have emergency home repair programs. We have aging in place programs. 
we're taking off a construction and training program. And then we have our whole uh, retail uh, business where we have five restores in the valley, which uh, sell gently uh, used uh, household stuff like toilets, windows, ceiling fans, that kind of stuff, paint, hammers, things like that, as well as some new new product. And uh, so we're, Habitat is, uh, is a uh, really a federated model. We're part of a greater association. There's 1,200 affiliates nationwide, and uh, there's 11 in Arizona, believe it or not. Uh, we're the largest, of course, with about 5 million people in our service area, all Maricopa County portions of Northern Pinal. The next largest is in Tucson, and then you have affiliates in Yuma and Bullhead City, Payson, Flagstaff, that, that sort of thing. 1,200 affiliated organizations. I would never have guessed that. That seems like a lot. It is a lot. Some <laughs> of them, some some states have 60 affiliates. We're we're lucky in the fact that uh, there's Arizona spread out. There's a lot of uh, wonders at, like the Grand Canyon and parks and stuff in between. But some states have a, a, just a whole bunch of affiliates. And uh, there's actually 80 affiliates overseas. We uh, Habitat International, which is in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, the headquarters, the mothership as we call it. They uh, they make sure to support along with our help and other affiliates helps 80 uh, 80 countries around the world with habitat chapters wow incredible so jason as the the president and ceo how did you find yourself in the position well i was quite a calling now we're a christian mission uh, most people may not know that about habitat we were founded by christian missionaries but we serve and welcome everybody and it was really a calling so to speak i was sitting at home in uh in, in here in arizona playing golf working on the house i was semi-retired and i got a call from a headhunter about a job with habitat and uh i had thought as i moved out here been in the valley about six and a half years that uh uh, I wanted to get back to an organization that was a nonprofit that was given back to society and the community. And and when the call from Habitat came, I thought about it a little bit, and I said, sure, I'd like to try that. And uh, there were 55 candidates that interviewed, and I was uh, the one they selected, I think, because I brought – you know, basically fresh eyes to the experience. Because you asked Centauri what experience he'd had. I had one, done one Habitat project in my life before this, so I probably couldn't even spell Habitat before I took <laughs> the job and started interviewing. But it's, uh, it's a, as you know, it's a fantastic mission, a fantastic charity, and I'm delighted, and the people here are just wonderful to work with. It's a, it's a wonderful home feeling working at Habitat. Nice. So... We had the opportunity to, to talk with Tim Kelly a couple of years ago about the work that, that GCU and uh, Habitat are doing around the local community there. But I also know that in Central City South, or South Phoenix rather, there's a big neighborhood revitalization going on that Habitat is a part of. We'd love to hear about that. Yes, we. Uh, this is that. This goes back to that neighborhood revitalization. Not not everybody can afford or needs a new home, but they they do need uh, critical repairs and renovations to their homes. And so we were approached by a number of groups down in uh, the warehouse district of South Phoenix, and and uh, they said, you know, we're doing okay now. Our our company is off and running, and we want to get back to the community. Can can we help you? And so. It was basically that that effort that led us down to start looking at Central City South, and there's something like 16 neighborhoods down almost within 
you know, you could probably throw a slingshot out of a window in downtown Phoenix, Phoenix and hit some of these homes down there. They're that close. And uh, the thing that struck us was the uh, the census uh, level of income. The the median income down there was about $9,800 per year. So when we did the math, that's like wow. $17 a day that people are living. That This is what the census track information wow. reveals. Very, very uh, poor neighborhoods. And as we got in there, and, you know, Habitat doesn't just come into a neighborhood and says, get out of the way, we're from Habitat, we're here to help you. We go in and we... <laughs> listen we want to we want to we want to participate in meetings we want to figure out what the neighborhood wants and we got in there and started listening and this these are really underserved disenfranchised neighborhoods grant park central park 711 matthew henson maybe you're familiar with some of the names they're they're neighborhoods that one of the one of the community leaders told us it, when we kicked this project off a of march march of 18 that this is the land that time forgot that they had just been, you know, been broken promises, sadly, and and they were really just hungry for some help and services down there. So we started pulling together uh, partners down in that area, not only the city, but the Phoenix Revitalization Corporation and other groups that have been there a lot longer than, than we have, for sure. And we started... Uh, to help, just say, how can we help you? And so we kicked off this uh, neighborhood revitalization campaign down there, and we've gone door to door. We probably worked on 30 homes with volunteers, several, probably close to a thousand or more volunteers have been there already uh, working on homes. And basically, it's a door to door effort. Uh, we don't have a lot of advertising budget. We basically go put our T Habitat green t shirts on, we go door to door. We offer a list of services, a menu of services that Habitat can provide, such as a new roof, windows, air conditioning, insulation, paint, uh, landscaping. And we use volunteers to the max extent that we can. And uh, Habitat, we always say, is a hand up, not a hand out. So we always require sweat equity or, or some money component to what we're doing. But we figured in these neighborhoods they were – so low income that we just doubled the sweat equity. We're not requiring any cash because uh, some of these some of these families to come up with a hundred five hundred dollars would be medications, food, transportation. It'd be tough. So or they just wouldn't do it. So uh, we've got in there with the help of generous sponsors and with a double sweat equity program. They're working, you know, eight, twenty, thirty hours either on their home or other homes in the va- other homes in the neighborhood or in the community organization or their coming into our restore in South Phoenix and working. And the, the fees are paid for by the sponsorship, uh, uh, wonderful sponsors that have stepped up and are interested in serving these these neighborhoods. What an incredible program. Jason, I'm curious to know from your standpoint, what do you feel is, um, and I hope you don't feel like I'm putting you on the spot, but what do you feel is Habitat for Humanity's like theory of change? So you built these homes and it's wonderful this for the community, but what are what is the impact and what are the actual outcomes of that longitudinally? What what does it mean for these families? Well, these are uh, I, I think uh, it would certainly when you put a family in a Habitat home that they buy, by the way, uh, our Habitat. We call them homeowners or home buyers because we don't give our homes away. That's a common misperception too. We we sell our homes, so the the family would build a home with us. It's 400 hours of sweat equity that they have to put into their own home or other people's homes, and then at the end of the day, they they 
they end up with a mortgage that's payable to Habitat. Of course, it's we make sure it's affordable. It's a zero interest mortgage. We're the bank. We're the originating company, and so uh, you know we can we can uh, structure the mortgage so that they. Uh, they don't pay any more than 30% of their gross monthly income on their their shelter costs. But I think I think the impact of Habitat is uh, it's generational. Certainly for home for the for new homeowners, our average family's been in their home about 20 years, according to information we have. That because they have that buy-in, that sweat equity. And you know, anytime you've worked on your own, worked on something, right? You feel you've got ownership. You feel buy-in, and that's why, that's why we think our program's successful in keeping people there. And then these homes we're working in in Central City South and other locations, where the families out there working alongside the volunteers to paint it, to landscape, to to help with roof or windows, whatever it is, uh, they have buy-in in the program too. So these these benefits benefit the whole neighborhood. And uh, and really, as we've actually seen, as we're working on homes, neighbors start to take better care of their homes, and uh, it, it you know it's the rising tide lifts all boats theory that uh, as pride in the neighborhood increases, as people say, you know we're not we haven't been abandoned. There are people willing to help. APS, uh, uh, Quicken Loans, name a, a, a dozen companies that have been down there helping us work. And they see that, you know, they're not in this alone, that there's a lot of people in the community that care about them and want to help. And that's the truth. Do you have a, a sense of how many when, well, how many how many people that, that you're hoping, how many households you're hoping to work with in that area when what what the time frame is? Well, we 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 just uh, were awarded a. Uh, a, uh, a grant, if you please, from the city of Phoenix, and they gave us uh, 29 lots in which we're going to construct uh, 29 homes over the next four years, and we pledge to renovate another 80 uh, in the in two neighborhoods down at Central City South, and that's adjacent to the other two neighborhoods where we're already doing uh, a neighborhood revitalization program. So. You know, we and and it, I'd be surprised if this isn't a, a, a at least a five-year commitment. It could go much longer than that, and there could be hundreds, hundreds of families served down in that area by the time we're done. And frankly, just like at GCU, as we finish a neighborhood, a street, we just we just keep expanding the boundary. We just keep moving out. So, you know, we'll hopefully, uh, with God's grace, we'll just sweep through that whole area over time and serve as many people as are willing to be served and helped and who want to help themselves, really. Got it. And do you have a sense of, of how many volunteers, how many individuals will help with that from actual sweat sweat equity or time? Well, all the families, anybody over 16 can help. And, and it's pretty cool when you build a home and you have teenage people in the home and, and they're over 16. And at the dedication, they talk about how it was cool to build their own bedroom. For sure. but, uh, so pretty much everybody in the family, even if they're young kids, are helping on the project. But uh, uh, last year we had 10,600 volunteers work with wow. Habitat across uh, across the valley. Before the year before, it was 12,000. So we have a lot of volunteers, uh, folks that come out and help us. Uh, over 120 uh, church groups. We have probably another 100, 200 organizations, businesses, 
uh, and people that will come out. So I would say it's a it's it's a mighty team effort, but there's always uh, there's always room for more help for sure. Well, there's no doubt about that. Many hands make light the work. So <laughs> that's that's part of our slogan too. Jason, I, I wondered um, out of all the folks that you've had out there and of all the homes built and families impacted, do you have just kind of one anecdote or story that really resonates with you or really sticks in your mind in the work that you've done over the years? Well, we have lots of stories. Habitat is is a story-driven organization. Every every family has a story. We were in Central City South, and uh, I went into the home and Hang on a second. The ceiling had collapsed. And the... uh, Sorry, hang on. Somebody asked me if you still cry a lot at Habitat. They said, we cry all the time at Habitat. (laughs) (laughs) Seems like everybody cries at Habitat. But, you know, their ceiling had collapsed, and we went in there, and and, uh, the living room was unusable, and... When we went in there and did the work, we found that termites had chopped all the beams down the ceiling. They had to all be replaced, insulation, everything. Then we found out this was a family that did emergency foster care services for families in Phoenix. So they had done they had served forty infants in their in their home in emergency foster care. Now I can't I don't know if it was, you know, during this collapse or probably before it, but to get them back up and running and uh, have their have their home be usable, fully usable again was pretty cool. And they couldn't afford they couldn't afford their pairs. They didn't know what was going on. We had another another case in uh, Tempe at Victory Acres where uh, it started to rain, and both the mom and dad got out of bed, grabbed the buckets, and went running for the leaks. And then they realized Habitat had replaced their roof. They no longer <laughs> had these leaks. And then there was another <laughs> case in. Great... Yeah, and then there was these are these are true stories we've heard from homeowners. And then in in GCU, the uh, the women uh, the lady uh, woke up one morning and asked her husband when the uh, when had the neighbors moved out, and he said, "Well, honey, they've not moved out. We had replaced their windows, and it was so quiet now that they didn't they weren't hearing their neighbors, and she thought they had moved out." So. That's the kind. I mean, that's you know, uh, kind of scratches the surface. But those are the kinds of stories that we hear all the time from families that are served through Habitat. Incredible. So, Jason, you have I, I know you have extensive experience in the the military and in healthcare. But working in this space, what are what are some of the top things that you've learned over the recent over, over your recent memory three years or so? Yeah. Well, the the first is uh, the the need is huge. You know, I think most of us can just, uh, other than seeing homeless people on corners and stuff, you can just kind of sail along right in your life and not really realize that there's a huge need for affordable housing. And almost every week now there's an article or a story or something on the lack of affordable homes in the valley. 
And, uh, you know, we think Phoenix is, is rapidly becoming unaffordable as a community, you know, with 200 people moving to Maricopa County every day, they need to make about $16 and 70 cents an hour to be able to afford a one bedroom apartment. And that may not seem like much, but half of the people in Maricopa County don't earn uh, or paid less than $15 an hour. So, uh, that just kind of frames the problem because what we've seen is as land values, construction costs, everything have in, as have increased, the wages of the families we serve, and we serve folks in uh, generally 30 to 80%, 30 to 60% area median income, which is a single person earning 13000 a year all the way up to a family of four earning about 32000 a year. So these are families that maybe can afford a conventional mortgage, but it's so small that they can't afford anything that they can live in. And so right now what we're seeing is 24% of renters in Arizona are paying more than half their income on housing costs <laughs> and about 10%, 10% of homeowners are paying more than half of their income on housing costs. and. You know, that takes, if, if you think about it, if you pay more than 50%, which Habitat believes you shouldn't pay any more than 30%, but a lot of folks are paying more than 50%. Yeah. And that takes food off the table, meds that are needed, transportation, and so forth, and it, it forces people into t really tough decisions. So Habitat's theory is we find uh, we find a generous sponsor that will help either subsidize repairs or subsidize the cost of the home. We find volunteers and a family that needs affordable housing. We get the family into it. Either they pay us a mortgage, they pay us back some portion of the repair, and uh, we can continue that as long as we have uh, wonderful sponsors, as we've seen. Uh, I think another thing that I've discovered in the job is there's also, uh, you know, there is a huge need for affordable housing, uh, but there's also huge resources out there. There's incredibly wealthy companies, individuals, uh, all kinds of things out there, and I believe they just need to uh, have a, uh, you know, have an understanding of what Habitat and some other charities do and find a way to help. Uh, I think there's a lot of willingness to help give back in the community. I think it's all about trust. It's about relationships. That's my job as the CEO here now is to go out and, you know, tell as many people as I can about Habitat so that they might develop some trust and be interested in helping. And then the, I think the final thing I've learned being here is that there's a lot of people with big hearts. They really do want to help. And when they hear about us, you know, I mentioned the 10,000 volunteers we have. Uh, that's over a million dollars in, you know, if you, it's over a million dollars in, in uh, uh, gifts that they've given us and their time helping us. Uh, we have our restores that are helping keep stuff out of landfills. People donate stuff from there. Uh, so there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of need. There's resources to meet that need, and there's a lot of people with big hearts willing to meet that need. I just need to do a better job at uh, collected them all together and get a click, <laughs> if you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Indeed. Excellent. I love it. Well, Jason, finally, if you could make one plea knowing that the entire world would hear it, what would that one plea be? I would have to say, if, you know, if you're doing okay, if, if you're doing okay personally, 
then get out and get involved and uh, and help and uh, uh, find it find some place to give back in the, in your community and it doesn't have to be with Habitat. I I sit with a lot of other wonderful charities in the valley and all of us uh, struggle for help with volunteers, donations, uh, in-kind stuff, materials, whatever it is. Uh, find a place to give back. Find a place you love. Uh, find something that really resonates with you and give something back to the community you live in. Because I, I believe as government resources continue to decline, it's gonna, we're going to have to focus more on our – we're going to have to look inward and – help serve our own people, our own self. Forget about at trying to have the government come in from out of state and help people. We need to find ways to help people ourselves right here in Arizona. And, uh, you know, that's what we're going to do at Habitat uh, with God's grace, one family at a time for as long as we can. And that's really what I respect so much about the work that you guys are doing is absolutely strengthening our local community and as frustrated as we all can be by national politics, if you just get involved locally, there's a huge impact and difference you can make. So appreciate that. What's what's the best way for people to get involved? How can they find you? Uh, Habitatcaz.org is the, the portal. That's our website for uh, all things Habitat. I mean, I don't even think people give phone numbers anymore over, <laughs> over, <laughs> over but, but the phone number is... Uh, Six two three five eight three two four one seven. That sounds dated, but habitatcaz.org. That's habitatcaz for Central Arizona.org. You can find a way to donate. You can look at our advocacy campaign. You can look at a lot of really cool videos that we have uh, made for helping veterans, uh, homeless families, and so forth. And uh, and we'd love to see you out there in the field or uh, anywhere else our volunteers are needed. Excellent. Centauri, what else? Nothing. Just thank you, Jason. Thanks for briefing us on the work of Habitat for Humanity. And uh, we'll for sure try to get out for a build by the end of the year. Oh, we'd love to have you. We'd love to have you. Give us a shout. Call that number. (laughs) (laughs) Or or send me an email. We'd love to we'd love to have you come out. And any of your listeners would be would be welcomed as well. Excellent. Well, thank you again, Jason. Thank you, George Centauri. Appreciate it very much. Thanks, as always, for listening. And as always, keep questioning because the struggle is real. Before I go, quick announcement. I've been asked by so many people over the past couple of years about how do I start a podcast that I've developed and released a course that will teach you exactly how to do that step-by-step from figuring out the kind of show that you want to have to understanding how all the technology works behind it, and then how to get great guests and uh, keep the thing moving and how to grow it. So if you're interested in that, check it out. You can go to georgegrombacher.com forward slash podcast course, and you'll find it there. You can just go to the website. I'll also list that in the notes of the show.